0: An Innovator's Journey is a series of interviews profiling software development thought leaders and DevOps practitioners. We highlight real people, real stories, and real solutions for building modern software. In today's journey, we talk with Gary Groover, author, presenter, and president of Groover Consulting. Gary Groover's passion is transforming IT and large enterprises. When I say large, that means working with companies such as HP and Macy's to transform their software supply chain through automation and cultural change. In his book, Leading the Transformation, Applying Agile and DevOps Principles at Scale, he lays out what it takes from an organizational level to make long-term, meaningful changes within DevOps-inspired organizations. In this innovator's profile, I talk with Gary about his path to discovery of DevOps, how his vision compares to others in the field, and what he hopes to accomplish through his work
1: with large
0: enterprises. How did you get started? Did you do technology as a kid?
1: No, not really. I was into doing other things and gymnastics and different things as a kid and working up through that path, but not really, not really technology until I got probably out of college.
0: Training-wise, then, you did you learn on the job, or did you do some school? Yeah, I
1: learned on the job. I'm a mechanical engineer by training, mm-hmm. but uh, I always sort of tried to figure out things differently. I started in a large QA organization and moved myself into manufacturing, spent some time in manufacturing, did supply chain for a while, then went into R&D on the product side, and eventually moved over more into the software for more stuff, and that was... Definitely on the job training and learning.
0: Time period for that? When was that?
1: Oh, uh, I've spent what twenty-two years at HP, and started in probably '89 in QA, and spent a couple of years there, right? A couple more in manufacturing, maybe three, and then a bunch in R&D. In the last probably five years, there was really. I'd managed parts of the firmware organization for a while earlier on, but I never really had the ability to influence it and change it until probably the last five years.
0: You're mainly known for transforming large enterprise scale. Right. You started that at HP?
1: Yes. And it was, you know, there was a problem that needed to be solved. It was our biggest constraint as to how the software firmware got done. And I'd sat on the outside and gotten frustrated trying to release products by not being able to get it done. And I interviewed and got a chance to lead the organization. I figured there, there had to be a better way.
0: And you are now making a
1: living as a consultant based upon... Just the experiences. I, you know, I felt like the organizations that I worked with to help transform how they did software development taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And what I realize is it's easy for engineers to go out into organizations or to go to Velocity Conference or DevOps Connect Conferences and learn about what they need to be doing differently. But if the executives can't figure out how to engage the organization and take them on a journey to transform how they do development, the change is going to slow down or not happen very well. And the engineers will come back with a spark of enthusiasm that the damp rag of organization resistance will put the spark out if the executives can't be there helping to fan the flame and get the energy and start to create the momentum and really start to get the change to happen. And what I realized is there's not a lot of resources out there for executives. I didn't have much. There wasn't out there some. There are some consultants that have worked and helped them figure out how to transform it and how it works from the team up. But there aren't that many executives who've done it, who've been there, who can offer advice. It's like, oh, as you get to this, remember to make sure you do one, two, and three, Mm -hmm. because you're going to run into those challenges. There's going to be new and unique things that they find, but there's no sense in repeating the mistakes I've already made and the bruises I've gotten along the way.
0: Do you remember the first time you heard of DevOps?
1: Um, Probably about... Six years after I started doing it, uh huh. Sure. <laughs> I, and I didn't know. I didn't know it was DevOps. It was uh, published the first book, and went back and forth. With when was that?
0: What year was that? Two
1: thousand twelve, probably. Okay. And that book came out, and it was you know the journey that we'd led for the last four years. And I went back and forth. I met Jez Humble over it as I was looking for something different to do. And he went back and forth. He goes, "Oh yeah, this is great. It's wonderful. I love it. This is a deployment pipeline. So it's, like, it's, it's a what? <laughs> I thought we we're just doing large scale continuous <laughs> integration with a lot of automated testing and getting everywhere. No, no, no. This is this is you know continuous delivery and it's everything. It's what my book's about. And it's like this is a great example. And he starts telling the story. And I probably didn't hear the DevOps turn until I met Gene Kim. And Gene Kim started talking more about DevOps and, and then there was this confusing period of time, whether it was continuous integration or whether it was continuous delivery pipeline or it was DevOps. And there was a period where it was confusing as to what was, it was DevOps just the cultural piece and continuous delivery was all the technical. And, and I tend not to get stuck too much in the names, but I think it's finally come down to DevOps as the umbrella that's all the technical and cultural. But when you get into a lot of the details of how to make it work, it's, it's continuous delivery. And as I start looking at it and I start mapping where do you get large organizations to go and how do you get them get better... I tend to think about it by mapping the continuous deployment pipeline because that is how organizations get code. From a business idea to the customer, it flows through that. If you're So if you're thinking about where your biggest barriers to success are and what are the things you need to prove, you need to look at how code flows through the organization. And when you look at changing how it flows through the organization, you're going to have technology changes, you're going to have people need to embrace it, their cultural change. So it's all kind of combined. But that framework gives you the ability to think about where to start with the biggest improvements and how to show you know where to go look in your organization to f- figure out your biggest inefficiencies and ways to go fix.
0: It seems like you're really in alignment with Gene Kim.
1: Um I, I am in a lot of ways. I think this idea of, you know, DevOps is about how do you get it out there more frequently on an ongoing basis. I think I'm a little bit different just based on my experience. You know, he spent a lot of time researching and spending time watching what the world-class leaders of the world do in terms of getting it done and getting it out. And I think, you know, a lot of those cases you either have very small organizations or you have large organizations that can work like they're really small in terms of having tens of people that can work together to develop, qualify, and deploy code. A lot of my experience, though, has come from leading large organizations where you needed to coordinate the work across more like hundreds of people or thousands of people as opposed to tens of people. And when you do that, I think you need different approaches. Mm-hmm. And I, my impression is that Gene has spent more time working with enterprise organizations lately, but I don't know that he's had that experience of how do you really get in an organization where you're coordinating work across hundreds and thousands. And my impression is DevOps is really about coordinating the work across teams and getting people to work together better to deliver value to the customer. And you do that differently and the approaches that you use. is different for tens of people than hundreds of people. And I think Gene, just based on his experiences and his backgrounds, tends to think more about applying the best practices that are happening with tens of people and trying to figure out how to fit those on top of hundreds of people. And just my experience from doing it is I tend to take a little different approach for the larger groups.
0: It's interesting. I was talking to Arjun Eric's yesterday, and one of the things that he said is he thinks that gene is the missing link when it comes to being able to talk to the C-level suite. Okay. I thought that was an interesting observation. That Gene is actually the evangelist that gets to the top level of the company, where most of the people that we're talking about with DevOps are starting at the bottom, talking to the developers, moving up.
1: And I spend my time at the top. Yeah, I really because I've been an executive. I know what like what it's like to be on the staff of a large organization, trying to drive change and making things happen. So uh, where I get my most value is is in You know, executive workshops, where I get them set up and I get them started, and I coach executives, and that's where I spend my time because I think there's a lot of people that can tell you technically what to do in the in the details, Mm -hmm. but getting an organization headed in the right direction, getting them ahead of there quick, and starting where the biggest issues are, I think is where my unique skill set lies.
0: That leads to what are you most proud of that you've done so far?
1: You know, I, I I think the biggest change that I was most proud of was the change at that, that at HP but I don't think it's what I've done so far it was having the opportunity to be with a really strong group of people that changed how the software development worked for an organization that fundamentally had a big impact on the business and I didn't do anything I didn't write any codes I didn't make any changes I didn't do any of those sort of pieces I was around a great group of people that did some amazing things, and it was just fun to be a part of it, fun to watch people grow, fun to watch people develop, fun to watch how they transformed, how the business could work, and uh, I was most proud of what I did. I don't know that I did anything most proud of being part of a team. That was a pretty pretty good team to be a part of.
0: What do you see as your mission
1: now? You know, everywhere I go, you get engineers that are getting excited and you don't see, you know, one of the biggest barriers they see is executives. They don't get it. They don't know how to do it. And I'm trying to be that resource out there for executives. I'm trying to, you know, write books that really wrote down everything I wish I knew before I started doing this and spending time coaching them because I wish I'd had somebody to help me and there's not a lot of resources out there. I really fundamentally believe the opportunities for dramatic productivity improvements are there. at HP, we got 2 to 3x. I think as you look at other organizations, they're developing software more like we were before the transformation than after. So I think that potential is there. And if executives understood they could get a 2 to 3x improvement productivity, I can't imagine anything else more important for them to be working on. So either they don't get that that's possible, or they don't understand the role they don't understand how to make it happen. I, I'm passionate about trying to fill that hole and help people because, you know, as a manager, if you're a good manager or a good leader, what you enjoy is watching other people become successful. And I've done that within companies, and now as I'm going to different companies, I'm really passionate about trying to help people and trying to help make them successful and starting to see the improvements that they've been able to make.
0: Your new book is resonating. You've gotten over 10,000 now on the books, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's actually gone really well. Um, leading the transformation, applying Agile and DevOps principles at scale. It's resonating with a lot of people that are reading it. It's a 100-page it's a book. I mean, it's not thick. It's not technically detailed or complicated. It's something that executives can read if they're on a flight. They should be able to you know, pick it up when they take off and be done by the time they land and have a concept for what it takes to make this happen. And hopefully that's enough to get them engaged and start to drive some great transformations into their organization.
0: If somebody is in a large corporation at that level, that's what they need, I think. So Give me the highlights, give me the cliff notes, yep. and I can decide conceptually whether it works or not.
1: And sometimes it's nice to get a few copies and spread them around the office because even if you know what to do and you're trying to drive the change, if you're the only voice out in the wilderness screaming, mm-hmm. it's going to get discounted over a period of time. So if you can get it spread around and get some of the leaders of the organization having common terminology, common thought process to where when they get together and discuss it, when they say words or talking about the same thing, can do a lot to align the organization. And you know, one of the key challenges is where to start. Next one is, how do you get everybody on the same page for what you're going to go do and how you're going to go on this journey? I think common terminology and thought process helps there a lot.
0: When you look back on your career, say you're looking back on the future, what do you want your legacy to be? When you walk off, what do you want the legacy to
1: be? That I was able to help a lot of large organizations figure out how to modernize their software development processes. So the world can see the benefits of all the great leading-edge ideas that you can do with software these days.
0: Hmm. Are we really in a transformation era right now? Is it going to be that big of a change?
1: I think so. I mean, look at cars. Right, you got to buy a car. You no longer look at the engine. You no longer look at any of those other things. You look at the software in that. If you look at tractors... You know, what I understand is, in some cases, people don't try tractors anymore. They just program them, and they go out and run in the field. Think of the benefits. Think of, you know, ever-rising costs of health care, and the fact that in the U.S., health care costs keep going up faster than anything else, but we can't necessarily provide all the services to our entire society. What's well, the opportunity to fundamentally change the health care industry? Every industry, automobiles, healthcare, farming, manufacturing, everywhere you look, competition used to be based on physical and mechanical things, and it's all of a sudden being based on software, firmware, the ability to make things happen. I, I think the opportunities are huge, and it's much easier to come up with quick ideas than it is to get them out and done. And I think we've got to change that. We've got to make it much more efficient and easier to get ideas done, get them in front of customers, learn what's not working, what's working, and adjust, and then figure out how to make that happen. And that's kind of the whole Jez Humble and Barry's and Joanne's latest book on Lean Enterprise. That's about what that's about. But if you haven't taken the efficiencies out of your processes from going to idea to getting in front of the customer you're not going to be able to take advantage of those concepts. So where a lot of organizations are still stuck is the time that it takes to go from a business idea to the customer in the customer's hands is is way too long and more efficient. And that's kind of where my passion and energies are.
0: It seems as if, if you could codify or, or document the process in a way you personally could change an entire industry, retail, as an example.
1: Right. Yeah. No, and a lot of it, and where I'm getting down more and more as I work with more and more companies and I'm going in and seeing common patterns and different things that people, there's opportunities for waste. I'm spending more time trying to come up with using the deployment pipeline as how do you take an architecture, break it into small pieces, how do you create the deployment pipelines? Because if you're going to develop code and deliver it on a more frequent basis while maintaining quality security and everything else, you need to take a lot of waste and inefficiencies out of the process. Mm -hmm. And I think the process is a deployment pipeline. And once you understand how that comes together, you can start mapping it with some metrics that go tell you where to go find the biggest opportunities for improvements. And then you can start improving that over time and continually improving that process.
0: You have been listening to An Innovator's Journey to DevOps. Today's broadcast was produced by Mark Miller with support from Shannon King, Jessica Dodson, and Derek Weeks. To hear the entire series of interviews, go to sonotype.com and choose Innovators. We'll see you next time as we continue our exploration of real people, real stories, and real solutions for building modern software. And finally, thanks to George Cole and his quintet for taking us home with a little gypsy jazz. Take it home, George.